Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan from Mount Gambier, Australia, and this is my quest to teach the whole New Testament as deeply and helpfully as I can. So grab your Bible and a beverage of choice, and let's take a few intentional minutes together in the deep end. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End. Our passage for this episode is Matthew 23, verses 13 to 15. We'll read the first half of that now. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those who enter who are trying to. We need to remember here that we are very close to the cross, likely within 48 hours of it. And Jesus has been offering his final commentary on the way he has found Israel's religious system to be. This commentary ends with what is known to us now as the seven woes. Woe in the Greek sounds a bit like ouai. It's described not so much as a word, but an emotional exclamation. The way you might whistle when someone is in trouble, or the involuntary way we might go, ooh, after somebody publicly messes up. In this case, the exclamation is linked with grief. If you can imagine a doctor facing the grief of telling you that you are sick, but treatment is not available, then you might be partially in tune with this. But if you could also imagine them showing a degree of disappointment or even anger because they believe you brought a preventable illness upon yourself, then you might get a more complete feel for what's in play here. It's like telling a person who won't put down a hamburger that their hearts are damaged, or telling a person who refuses to cover up that they have an untreatable melanoma. Jesus is essentially saying, you are sick, and that makes me sad. But it was avoidable, and this upsets me even more. Woe is therefore a statement of grief to a people who knew better, but didn't act appropriately. It's a diagnosis of terminal spiritual illness found in a people who were ironically supposed to be the beacon of spirituality to their people. They might look right, but their insides looked all kinds of wrong. It was both saddening and maddening for Jesus to see this take place. And out of this state of grief and sadness and anger, Jesus has only one word for people who live this way. When you portray something that you are not in the field of religion and devotion, Jesus calls you a hypocrites, a hypocrite. This was a word used in Roman circles for stage actors. In artistic circles, a hypocrite would enter a stage and portray a character different to that which was their own. They would wear oversized masks to hide their true identity. And these masks could have mechanical devices fitted to them which would alter their voices to suit what the audience might expect them to sound like. In the same way, the Pharisees seemed to be looking the part and sounding the part. But under their mask was a different identity altogether. The crowd might not see past it, but God in the flesh certainly could. In the first woe, Jesus denounces the religious outlook regarding the kingdom of God. As we've seen many times over, they had political and temporal ideas of how God would establish this kingdom. It was certainly about David's throne, as we saw a couple of episodes ago. For many, it was also about ousting Rome and having heaven on earth for the sole benefit of Israel and anyone who wanted to join them by following the religious process. It was heavily focused on the here and now and a little too enamored with what they stood to get out of such an arrangement. It was an earthly, a worldly mindset, more like a human empire than God's kingdom. When Jesus began teaching that the kingdom of God was now at hand, the religious initially began to take notice. 
But their intrigue dulled a bit when they realized Jesus wasn't upholding or endorsing their outlook on things. Then it shifted to anger and opposition when Jesus started challenging them. The kingdom of God was going to be open to a worldwide audience, and it was not going to be until eternity that we would see the whole kingdom manifest itself. Rome wasn't going to be ousted anytime soon, and Pharisees, using religion to elevate themselves in society, were being exposed as frauds. In the face of this teaching, the Pharisees not only rejected Jesus and what he had to say, but they were active in turning others away from Jesus also. They took a vow to shepherd Israel and lead them spiritually. Instead, they had become blind and arrogant. And not only did they reject God's kingdom in their own hearts because it didn't suit them, they were literally making the kingdom inaccessible to others. The next woe goes like this. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Now, there is evidence in the first century that evangelism among the Pharisees was a prevalent thing. They apparently did this with significant fervor. But as you might imagine by now, there were flaws in the way they went about this. It was common for Gentiles to see the ways of Judaism and gain enough respect for it to either become an informal believer or even convert to the faith. There are people in Scripture who are described as God-fearing people. These are Gentiles who for whatever reason lived among Jewish communities and found themselves attracted to the monotheism and the morality of Judaism in contrast with the pagan stuff they previously knew. They would begin to pray to Yahweh. They would integrate some elements of Judaism into their own life, but they would usually stop short of full conversion. Converting obviously meant a significant change of living, a complete disregard for their pagan past, and for the men, a bit of elective surgery as well. Just becoming a Jew was a big decision, and it was never taken lightly. But the Pharisees didn't stop at converting a person to just Judaism. They also had to convert them to Phariseeism in the whole deal. Your faith expression had to be exactly the same as them for a Pharisee to credit you with true faith. And for Jesus, this was creating a perpetual problem. If you see a new believer in the church today, you will more often than not see a much more fervent expression of faith than the person who led them to the Lord. They will be more intentional with personal evangelism. They'll be more excited. They'll be louder in church. They'll be more open about their faith, even inappropriately so at times. The same was the case with new convert Pharisees. Their newfound fervor led to essentially becoming twice the Pharisee. Jesus has already denounced the Pharisee mindset as something that will not inherit the kingdom of God. So where does that leave the doubly committed convert? Well, even further from the kingdom. If you are a fully devoted and switched on healthy Christian, you will be naturally contagious and the people you lead to Christ will be healthy and do well. What you are will get amplified in the people you lead. This contagious nature is also present in the most fervent Pharisee. But the fruit of their so-called ministry will be headed for trouble. It's better for a Pharisee to stay right out of the missional mix until they repent. So let's reflect a little on these ideas. A Pharisee is seen by Jesus as a play actor on a stage for the entertainment and adulation of a watching audience. The character they portray and the voice they project is not the one they actually have in real life. This is the original meaning of a hypocrite. Instead, a disciple is transparent, and the character they speak of and present in public is the same one as they have in private. 
Everything Jesus speaks of in the character of a disciple points to this sort of transparency. Being honest, having integrity, being childlike, being a servant, doing the right things in secret for the audience of one. Transparency is not perfection. It's being flawed and proactively owning it. When a fault is exposed in a transparent believer, it doesn't shock anyone and generally the world is more forgiving towards them. Hypocrisy, on the other hand, is the perception of perfection, with every effort made to hide the flaws. And should a flaw be exposed, things tend to blow up in spectacular fashion. Reputations are damaged. So too are disciples under their care. So which word describes you at this time? Hypocrisy or transparency? What work do you need to do in response to that realization? And once you've figured that out, consider this next idea. What is your kingdom outlook? Are you looking to build personal empires and using Christian language to do so? Or have you completely abdicated yourself to Jesus in order to seek his kingdom first and only? This calls us to live now in full active anticipation of eternity. Anything we build now must have eternal value, not temporal. It must demonstrate the values and eternal promises of King Jesus. And it must be fully accessible to all who are seeking. This will then be reflected in those you influence. What is your Christian expression reproducing in others? What elements of your faith do you emphasize for others to take hold of? What would a double dose of you look like? What would twice the disciple you are be in application? What kingdom would that disciple inherit? The one on offer from Jesus or one of their own making? Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about this podcast and other ministries I'm involved in, go to my new website, www.ministryinthedeepend.com.au. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and even YouTube. So please like, follow, subscribe, connect, and comment wherever you can. I look forward to catching up next time. See you then.